Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brace, and this is The Watchman. We are sounding the alarm for the peril and the uncertainty that lie ahead. Our commitment is for the objective truth, and as The Watchman, we will call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and truth. We will call out the real motives of those living and the land of unlimited imagination. And we're going to do that by expounding on the underreported facts. Today, we're sounding the alarm with Annette Baker. Annette Baker is an environmental science expert. She's our homeschool teacher. She's also a region chairwoman in the Berks County Republican Committee. And she's also a candidate against Marxist Judy Swank in the Reading area for the uh, Pennsylvania State Senate 11th District. Uh, Annette is uh, espousing that Judy Schwank is, I guess, trying to prolong the shutdown. And Annette is out there declaring this, I think, and she's trying to convince voters that we should be open by now. And I think that there's a lot to be said on that. But without further ado, welcome to The Watchman, Annette. Thank you very much, Clay. <laughs> Thanks for being with us, Annette. Hey, uh, I wanted to contact, I want to talk a little bit about what we're uh about uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, bankrupt the middle class, make China great again, Bill. <laughs> and I think that's important. And uh, I want to get to that. I want to talk about that a little bit. But uh, first off, before we get to that, and I, 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 do you have anything that you want to talk about with the with the the Gallup poll that just came out? Anything at all on that? What's your thoughts on that? Well, the Gallup polls are, you know, it seems they're galloping right along. Um, you know, it's one of those things that um, just when you think that the numbers couldn't be any whacked out any more than they are, um, it gets better and better. And by whacked out, I mean, you know, it's it's just all the other polls are telling you it's horrible. Trump's going to lose by a landslide, and here Gallup's, I mean, he's almost at 50%. Right. Um, and and that is just crazy to think about. Well, what's um, even... The fact what's that... Even, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, what's, go even, what's even more nuts on this is how they pulled it. And I talked about this a little bit, and I wanted to share with this with you. They are claiming, because, they, because a lot of states don't have voter ID. They don't register. In other words, they're not counting registered party affiliation anymore. So there's like, I don't know, uh, 20 states out there that don't provide affiliation numbers. So Gallup is just basically they're trying to claim to be the best metric to measure party strengths. So what they're doing is they put a, a poll out and they're asking people that they're polling. They're saying, are you a Republican, Democrat or independent? Now, let me ask you that. Now, we're both Republicans. We're both members of the Berks County Republican Committee. I'm the chairman, and that is the region chair that stated earlier. But if you were to ask people like us, people that we don't know in a survey, of course, we would declare we're Republicans. But but I think, how do you think many people would try to declare themselves if they're Democrat or Republican? Do you think they might just identify as an independent because they just want to they want to portray themselves as an independent in some survey? I mean, do you think that's likely that you're going to find people actually – say that they're a registered independent when they're really a registered Republican or Democrat? Oh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think a lot of them would, would probably try to avoid. Um, I know there's a number of people that are, are just, they, they don't want to say one way or the other because they're too afraid of the backlash. That's right. Um, in many cases, they, they don't want to, 
they don't know what they're, you know, when someone calls to ask us about a survey, um, a lot of times it's, you know, it, it's usually one party or another, or it might be, you know, in this case, Gallup. Um, but the people that are offering the answers do not necessarily know what that's going to be used for. And sometimes it's actually pretty hard sometimes to get people to answer excuse me, some of those, some of those questions, because, you know, they, they don't want to be involved with that. They don't want to be targeted for one reason or another. Well, like putting um, a yard sign yeah, up. It's like, it's, like, it's like putting a yard sign up. I mean, think, exactly. think about like this. If I'm going to answer a survey on, am I a registered Republican or Democrat or an independent? If I'm not willing to put a yard sign out, then I'm not that convicted of my party affiliation. And I'm more prone to maybe agree that I may be an independent. But you got people that are putting yard signs out. They're not going to agree to that on the phone. So anyway, Gallup does their survey. They show 31% of Americans admit to being a Democrat, 30% admit to being a Republican, and 36 admit to being an independent. Again, this is Gallup asking people about party registration. That's what this is. So they base their metrics on this. Now, we know from past elections, we know, for instance, in Pennsylvania, which has Six and a half million voters. We know that 38 percent of because we do measure voter affiliation, 38 percent of our state is registered Republican, 45 is registered Democrat. And that's about the average across the country. I mean, you've got states like North Carolina, and Wisconsin, back when they were measuring voter registration affiliation. I want to say this because they're not doing it now. Some of them are. But you could see, I mean, Wisconsin has more registered Republicans than Democrats. Or they did when I was looking at it a few years ago. Uh, so was in North Carolina. So was in Colorado, believe it or not. A lot of these states have more registered Republicans. Now, today, those numbers are a lot harder to find, okay? And they just are. Um, I don't know why, but they just are. However, because I've been looking at these numbers for so long, I know tendencies. I know the, the trends of these party affiliations. So when I say 38% and 42%, is likely what it is across the country. That's about what it is. It's not 45% Democrat like it is here in Pennsylvania, but it isn't 35 either. It's not 45% Republican, but it isn't 35 either. So 38 Republican, 42 Democrat is about what you see in a national poll. And then the 20% independent, that basically covers states like, well, like Montana, that's got a lot of independents, okay? Uh, but whatever the case is, just trying to get to the to crux of what I'm going with this. Based on those numbers, based on the percentages of the turnout, we know, and of course, more importantly, Joe Biden knows, that they don't have a chance, right, Annette? Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more obvious. And, and you know, obviously what, what I hear may, may be anecdotal evidence, but um, <clears throat> I actually put more weight in it because it's actually talking to real people on the ground who aren't afraid to talk about themselves and, and their families. And what they're telling me is that they're tired, particularly here in Pennsylvania. People are fed up with sure. our governor and they are going to take it out on him. And I think it's going to go up the ticket to to the presidential election as well. I so too. I think, um, you know, it, it's going to be a very interesting election uh, to see how I was just talking with my husband the other night. And I said, you know, there was a, there's a a video that someone put together of all of the the shock of all of the different newscasters as the, the um, numbers started coming in and thank Uger, who is part of the young Turks um, TV show. 
was absolutely freaking out when Donald Trump won. And I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like on November 3rd um, when, given the, the sentiment right now, if it carries through, which I think it's not just going to carry through, I think it's going to be increasing um, as, as things drag on, it's not going to get any better. Um, and I, I just, you know, the, there's going to be a longer reel of people being upset. Oh, there's no question. That's my opinion. When, when you look at the national, like I told you before, based on the, the fact that we know there's 235 registered voters, just based on what I just said, if 38% of the voters are Republican, that's about 89 and a half million registered Republicans. Well, if 90%, I should say, if 70% of that comes out, and this is and this is what you're not hearing. This is what you're not hearing from, from the Democrats, or I should say from the fake news. If 70% of that comes out, you're looking at 62 million registered Republicans coming out to vote. Now, if it's 65%, it's a little less than that. It's more like, oh, I don't know, 58 million, okay? But the point I'm drawn to is 70 million is the magic number. And when Trump is likely to get over 90% of whatever Republicans come out, he could be starting off with a very high number, like, I mean, he gets 90, 92%, 91% of registered Republicans if, like I said, they come out at 70%, he's looking pretty strong at getting 54, 55 million right off the top. Certainly 53 million, 54 million right off the top. He only needs 17 million more to hit the magic number of 70 million. And it's likely he's going to get at least 12 to 15% of the Democrats. So if the Democrats come out at 58% or so, maybe even 60%, they're still going to be under the total vote number. They're going to be less Democrats voting than Republicans based on that sheer number. If 60% of 98 million show up to vote and 70% of 89 million show up to vote, okay, the 70% is an actual higher number than the 90, than the, than the, than the 60% of the, of the 98 million, the Democrats. You're going to see the Democrats come out with a lower number right from the start. And Trump will be sitting likely, my guess is, right about, oh, I'm going to, su- I'm going to suggest uh, probably about 8 million, 8.5 million, certainly 8 million of, of the Democrats that vote for him. So when you add that to the total of what you're looking at, you know, you're looking at likely about, oh, probably about uh, 50, 64 million. So now he only needs about 5 or 6 million of the independents. I mean, that's really not much. I mean, 5 million of the independents, when you got 12 million of them vote, he don't even need 50% of them. And he hits the magic number of 70. So not to bore you, not to bore everybody with just data like that. I'm just basically saying, Annette and I look at these numbers. And so when we see the polls that show Biden winning, beating Trump, don't believe them. Because what you have to understand, there's got to be a level of energy behind the voter to get out and vote. Otherwise, they just don't just get out. And there is a lot of energy behind Trump and no energy behind Biden. So when I say 70 percent of, of likely registered Republicans of, of registered Republicans coming out, likely to come out and 60 percent of 98 million registered Democrats come out. That's a very plausible number based on the fact that there's a lot more energy behind Trump than there is Biden. And that's something that we can plausibly see. And based on that and based on the percentages of approvals within your own party, we can ascertain what we actually need from the Democrats, right, Annette? Absolutely. What we need from independents, I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. well, let's get to a little bit on the Pelosi's uh, $3 trillion bankrupt the middle class, make China great again, Bill. 
Pelosi, <laughs> she, she's calling it a COVID relief bill, but we here on the point, on the watchman, I should say, are going to call this the bankrupt the middle class, make China great again bill. Right? I mean, Annette, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is, is this really going to help the middle class or is this designed to uh, help them win elections? <laughs> oh, it's a, it is definitely a um, let's give out money to a bunch of special interests and hope that it, they, they vote for us. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. I, you know, one of the things I was, I was mentioning to somebody the other day, <clears throat> me, when you take a look at the way we're living right now, it's basically the way AOC and the people that support the Green New Deal want us to live. Staying in our homes, not polluting the environment, you know, you can go down the entire list. And it's a progressive dream because everybody is basically the majority of the country um, is relying on the government to pay them because they can't go to work. And that is exactly where the progressives in this country want us to be. Because that moves us closer, you know, as you've said, you know, to the socialist, uh, communist pipe dream that they have. Um, and, you know, this is this is just another opportunity. Why? OK, well, we already know the answer as to why Nancy Pelosi wants to have mail-in balloting included in a, in a covid relief bill. Why would you know one of those things is it doesn't make sense to me. But again, you know, it goes back to the Solinsky, uh Rahm Emanuel idea of, you know, always use a crisis to your advantage. Never let it go to waste. Make sure you get a, you gain as much ground as you can. She knows that if there was a bill that was proposed, it would never get through on its own. So if you hide it inside a COVID relief bill, She's going to make the president veto this bill because of all of the pork that's in it. And then they can go, the Democrats can turn around and say, see, he really doesn't care about you <laughs> because he wouldn't, they, they, they actually said that they're, the way they're pushing this right now is that because there is funding proposed in there for firefighters and police and EMS and nurses and doctors and all that kind of stuff. Because of all of those things in there, they're actually starting to push the narrative. I saw it yesterday on TV that if Trump vetoes it, then he is anti-police, anti-firefighter, uh, anti-EMT. Go down the list. Um, and it's just amazing how they will continue to use politics on this stuff when there are people. I mean, it is just gut-wrenching to hear story after story after story. I can't tell you in the last week, it would take two hands to count the number of stories that I've heard about people that have killed themselves, have taken yeah. their own life because they've become so despondent about well, wh where they're at. It's, it's just well, let's, horrible. Let's look at what she's trying to ramrod through this bill. And again, I do agree with you. She's trying to paint this up as Trump's going to vote against middle class. People know this is not true. And what's really interesting yep. is that, that that ship's already sailed. The blue-collar voters, the people in this country, I already they already know Trump is supporting them. <laughs> even those, even those that may not even vote for him, know that he really is for America First jobs. The reason some of these people don't like him is because he's not a globalist and he's not polished like they are. Uh, they might be able to overlook the globalist idea. He they just don't like the fact that he's not as polished as some of the other politicians. 
Uh, they don't think he has the pedigree to be in Washington. But anyway, let's look at some of the stuff that they uh, they are trying to ram through this. Look, they put all their bad ideas in one place. That's what they did. You got Planned Parenthood <laughs> funding. You got Planned Parenthood funding. You got funding for sanctuary cities. You got support for open borders and watering down of immigration laws. You got extending new immigrant visas. They want to extend new immigrant visas. Uh, they also want uh, health care for everyone, doctors for no one, including for illegals. They want money to go to illegals that aren't working. In other words, they want cash relief for illegals that are here illegally that aren't working. <laughs> That's insane, too. Okay. They want to subsidize marijuana. They want to subsidize the industry by removing the federal laws, making marijuana use legal. All right. The bill mentions, I think, uh, I think the bill mentions this almost like 70 times or some huge amount. Uh, they want to, they want bailouts for things like the post office. I mean, the post office, which by the way, has been open during this COVID shutdown. They want bailouts. Well, the post office has been underwater for how long? They want to bail it out. They want new funding for performing arts. They want new funding for public broadcasting. And they want, more importantly, and most importantly on all of this, I mean, all of this is important to them, but another big one is bailing out the poorly run states like California, like New Jersey, like New York, like Illinois, states that are completely bankrupt with the, with the, the horrible public union deals that they made. Now they have to bail out these pensions, these unfunded pension mandates. They're terrified that these states are going to have to go bankrupt. They don't want any part of it because it's going to sink them politically. Do you realize if a state has to go bankrupt because a state that's being run by Democrats has to go bankrupt, who's going to be blamed for the state going bankrupt is the Democrats. You see, if, Trump's, if Trump doesn't get weak need on this, and I don't believe he will, I don't believe he will. I think that the Democrats are going to come out of this looking really bad. And I know that politically they normally are able to play this. They're just playing the same old rule book that they always play. But they're going up against a guy like Trump who's not afraid to lose elections. He knows what he needs to do. He's grounded in truth. He's grounded in facts. And they're trying to go after him. But, I mean, these, these bailouts are huge. Oh, and they also want to initiate Green New Deal programs. I mean, they want to do this, too. They want to use this opportunity to put in there rules to make efficient effective energy very costly the production of this energy very costly why because it increases the cost of effective efficient energy why do they want to do that so they can promote ineffective inefficient energies as the alternative to the more expensive energies now they see they want to go from saying well it's efficient and effective to just say that's ah, expensive well why is it expensive because they've initiated regulation upon regulation upon regulation to make it so costly to produce that they to produce it and sell it now is not even feasible. They want to make selling effective, efficient energy not feasible. That is what the Green New Deal is. Make no mistake about it, folks. They want to set up an atmosphere to where in a, in a, in a, in a policy uh, platform, if you will, that makes effective, efficient energy too costly to pay for, so that you resort only to the ineffective, inefficient stuff, and you're forced to, to have colder houses in the winter, warmer houses in the summer. You're forced to be able to limit, you have to limit your driving, 
Uh, you maybe have to sell your car because you can't afford the gas in it anyway, that type of stuff, as well as all the products and everything that you buy. The prices of all that goes up because distribution becomes so impossible anymore. And uh, everything becomes more and more costly. This is what they're looking to do. OK. Uh, and, and in doing this is what they call crony capitalism. They want to create an atmosphere where wind and solar become the only thing possible. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because they know that that's the only way they can force people to use it is to make it so it's the only alternative. This is their plan, folks. This is the promised punishment they have for the middle class. OK. I mean, they even want government. They want local governments and businesses to main to maintain greenhouse gas statistics from whatever industry they might be in, like the airline industry having to, to measure greenhouse gas statistics from the fossil fuels and flying those planes. Oh, don't forget student loan forgiveness. They want that for select people now, okay? If you've already paid off your student loan, too bad for you. Too bad for you. Uh, they, want, they want corporate pay statistics to be measured now by race and gender. Where does that come from? How is... Annette, I mean, I've just gone through a lot there, but how are any of these going to help the middle class, especially even, I mean, obviously the Green New Deal thing, but how is requiring corporate pay statistics by race and gender going to help anybody? How is the Green New Deal and in, 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 in creating an atmosphere where fuel, where, where efficient, effective fuel is just so costly, nobody can afford it? How is that going to be possible? How is all that going to be possible? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? How is that going to help the middle class? Oh, you, you know, and I know it's not. it's not. It's not about helping the middle class. It's about pushing an agenda that fits their ideology. And it, it's, it really sadly comes back to there are expendables in their, in their equation. And the expendables, unfortunately, are the middle class. And, you know, the thing that really just was shocking to me um, in looking at the numbers of people that are being adversely affected by COVID across the country there are so many people that are in the uh, work, what they call working poor, uh, to the the poor that are just absolutely suffering under what's going on. And this does nothing to help them by giving away twelve hundred dollars to illegal people here illegally. How does that help someone in the middle class? That's not going to help them, right? Because what everyone doesn't realize because they're not really necessarily thinking about the numbers right now. We're trying to make it through this, but there are some economists out there that are saying, Hey, you realize we're going to have to pay for this, right? This is going to, we're going to end up paying for it somehow, some way down the road. Well, to get all and, that, to get all that in, they're going to have to win elections. So you're saying that these next ones, right. so you're saying these next, these next requirements, these next special these next special ingredients, if you will, in the, in the special sauce that they're putting together, yes, the, the, <laughs> the special bill called the bankrupt the middle class, make China great again bill. They have to win elections. So they're, they're, they're putting in here uh, early voting requirements in all states, same day voter registration. Uh, yeah. Now wow. you're saying that you're saying vote harvesting is their plan and this is what they're trying to do. Yeah, you know, it's the mantra, vote early, vote often. Um, you know, sadly, that's, I, I just, I cannot, with the number of, of articles that I've read recently about, you know, there's, what, 28 million ballots that they said have been lost since the, I think it was the 2016 election. 
that you know aggregate over the years in all the different elections, these ballots get lost. Um, there was we have enough issues with vote harvesting, with voter fraud, with vote tampering. All we need to do is look at Ocean City, California, and the four races that went from Republican to Democrat because of vote harvesting, and know that if we were to implement that nationwide. There would never be another fair and free election. It will be constantly riddled with corruption. And, you know, sadly, there was a Republican that did it as well. He got caught, as should anyone who, who cheats like that. They should get caught. So but you're that's, saying- that's the plan because they know they can't win on the basis of their argument and the basis of their platform. They have to find another way to do it. Well, so stacking the deck is about their only other option at this point. Well, the other idea is to change the hearts and minds of the new voters coming in. Uh, I do agree with you. Obviously, they want to stack the deck and, 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 and cheat in elections, but they can also make things a little easier by bringing uh, by bringing up kids out of high school and out of college that are basically uh, driven to, to allow this type of action to take place, okay? Because they don't see their civil rights as anything mm-hmm. special, okay? They don't see themselves as special. So in a commencement speech Barack Hussein Obama had with a bunch of high schoolers, he he appeared as a sort of political drive-by shooter with a sort of weird twist he did. I mean, he didn't try to inspire anybody in his speech, okay? It was all about it's all about knocking the Republicans in America. It really was. He never once talked about hard work and applying a person's know-how and to achieve any more in the world than they than they're going to get. Instead, he appeared to be talking to a bunch of kids trying to set up a focus group to improve our country. That's what it looked like to me. You know, he he provided all the evidence to convict himself of political activism and socialism. That's what he did here. And as Annette said, he's, he's out there trying to convince these kids. He hammered Trump's America first policies in a sort of veiled way. Uh, you know, and again, I think he's trying to motivate by fear and and, and he's, you know, who knows? I mean, Obama's stunningly consistent, though, with his rhetoric. I mean, because he did allow China to manhandle the world in this country. He did. So now he's wanting this China great again, make China great again policies. He wants the globalist citizen to come out so that we don't see China as a big deal when they eclipse us in the economy, economically eclipse us. Well, we know what that means. When, when a country starts to eclipse us economically, they're going to eclipse us militarily. And when that happens... That's the beginning of the end. That is, this is a race that we cannot lose, right? And that we we have to win this economic race, don't we, Annette? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we. I mean, we, we've talked about this before, where you know everyone has said this is the most important election, um, and and I I would agree. You know, there have been seemingly very important big elections uh, in the past, but I think coming into this November. We are going to literally be on the razor's edge. And, and we're already seeing it here in Pennsylvania. Um, the fact that our civil liberties are being taken away, limited, um, and there is no way to keep our governor in check. We don't have the power to do that. The three branches are unequally balanced right now. So we don't have a way to really rein in the governor. Um, and he is not listening to the appeals of the people. Um, he's kind of turning a, a deaf ear to everything. Um, and I think that plays out on the larger uh, scale across the country. We have to understand that 
you know, when looking at what's going on in the House and Senate, and even with the president, if the Democrats retain the House, you know, you and I both know that they are going to continue to run multiple investigations into the president. It will not stop. They've already started again because they, you know, they believe that there's been mismanagement and corruption with the COVID crisis. So they've already started another uh, plan to investigate with that. And, and it just will never stop. And it's not wrong to question things and to investigate and make sure things are done the right way. By the way, if anybody's listening who could actually do that here in Pennsylvania, we'd really appreciate your help with the whole nursing home problem. Um, but we need to understand that this is this is truly a, a fork in the road. We have to go left or right. Um, I didn't necessarily mean that the way it sounded, but I guess it kind of works out that way. Um, you know, we're either going to swing to the left, which tends to be toward the side of, you know, the socialist communist agenda or an progressive agenda, or we're going to swing more to the right, which is more of a conservative approach to things, more of a, you know, freedom and, and personal liberties. And that is where we're at. We're really at a, at a, a crossroads. And we as a nation uh, have to do a lot of soul searching. We as a Commonwealth have to do a lot of soul searching and make sure that when we go to the ballot box, we understand the ramifications of who we place in office. And that's, you know, we have to understand that there are people that have an agenda that is not to advance this nation, not to bring us back together and unify us. There is an agenda to continue to pull us apart and to bring this nation, not just to its knees, but completely decimate it and rebuild it. And that's really what I think the president was talking about in his uh, graduation speech, um, the whole idea of reshaping. And how many Democrat governors have used that same language of a new normal? They all have kind of grasped onto that language with the idea that if they can condition us to believe that we need to have a new normal, then they can then usher in what their definition of the new normal is going to be. And that is something that should be terrifying to everyone because I don't know about you, but the old ways, you know, the old ways, listen to me, it's only been a couple of months, but the way things were two months ago, definitely uh, it wasn't perfect, but it sure was pretty darn good from where we're sitting right now. Well, we um, we were out of time on that. We're going to let you go on that one. But I do want to remind our listeners of what you're basically summing up. Globalism bad, America first, good. And that's basically where we're going to sum that <laughs> up. Okay. We'll leave it there. We want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Thanks for We really appreciate you being here. Thanks for tuning in to The Watchman this afternoon. Tune in every Saturday afternoon right here on AM Radio, 1180 WFYL at 430 for this compelling, distinct discussion. As I said, as I often say, People listen to us while they're in the area, just tuning into the into the station itself. But others will actually go to YouTube and search 1180 WFYL on YouTube and click listen live there during normal air time. Others go to 1180WFYL.com and click listen live there during normal air time. Others listen to the podcast when they get put up. Either way, folks, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you for to all of our listeners for being with us today. Thanks to Annette. Thanks, and we'll see you next week on The Watchmen. For Annette Baker, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.